I do not aim in my head. I aim in my eye. I do not shoot with my head. I shoot with my mind. I do not kill with my gun. I kill with my heart. Welcome back to the Substandard, brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave tech you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. Get your first month for only five bucks with free shipping by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. I'd like to remind you that the Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look on our podcast, search for Substandard, you'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. In addition, we'd also like to remind you, Substandard show notes are sometimes posted by Jonathan Last on Fridays at 11 a.m. at weeklystandard.com. Probably not this Yeah, if you listen, Friday. if you listen to the mini-episode, you'll know. That's that, right. And everyone should listen to it. Some of you don't listen to the mini-episodes. Mm. You know what? Sometimes I say I'm not going to do it, and then I do it. Yeah. So you have to just stay tuned. You've got to go to, go to, go to weeklystandard.com. Just check every, 11. Check every hour. Uh, how are we doing this week, weekend, Sunny Bunch? Uh, I went to Ikea this weekend. Ooh. Yeah. Are you still married? Oh, yeah. Well, it was so there are two Ikea trips. There are two versions of the Ikea trip, right? The first version of the Ikea trip is you don't really know what you want, and you're just trying to buy stuff for a room. And those are always nightmares because nobody has any idea what they want, and everything kind of looks the same but is slightly different. Uh, and the whole thing can turn into, you know, crisis at, at, at Farpoint in any moment. And it just is, it's the, it's the disaster waiting to happen. This was the other type of trip. We knew basically what we wanted. We need bookshelves. We just needed like cubby sized bookshelves for our oh, for your favela? bedroom. No, not for the favela. <laughs> I, what, what, so are you going to build her, her own favela? Oh, well, yes, actually. So they have this great, they have this great like system where they, it's basically just cubes that you put on top of each other and you kind of put oh, them I next to each other yeah. and, and they're different colors and you can, and it looks like pleasingly disorganized to me, which I'm, I'm going to really enjoy. Do you have to mount these on the wall? Well, you can mount them on the wall, but these are, I, we're doing ones that are on the ground they're 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 like based on the ground and then you're gonna need to tether them yes i know we have to anchor them jonathan i know how i know how i, I haven't it's not one like of, I, one of my daughters pulled a dresser down on top of herself one day Ooh, that, from <laughs> ikea was it the mulm somebody had not anchored yes. i don't know who it was but yeah. one of the parents in our house had not anchored it to the wall the anchoring was definitely one of my favorite parts of uh, uh child proofing the house because it was it was the easiest it was just like screw. It was just taking a power drill and screwing things into the wall and screwing them. Frankly, into Frankly, I'm surprised that you anchored things to the wall. I thought you just natural selection, let nature take its course at home. And no. Uh, well, I mean, look, I, 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 I could have done that if I wanted her to be strong, but she, <laughs> right. she's just gonna, she's America. just gonna be, she's just gonna, you know, go through life assuming things won't fall on her at all, at all times. Now, Vic, you did all the anchoring. Of the furniture at your house, right? You got the we drill have, out. We have the. We you... have two uh, very uh, big bookcases that my wife had purchased, mm-hmm. and in fact, uh, I did anchor them. And by I, I mean my father-in-law, Bob Dwyer. <laughs> yeah, good job. <laughs> well, I was not 
I was not there at the time. I came home. I said, what? He did what? I would have done that. What is, what is that? What, you, what, anchoring? what is that? Okay. What is an anchor? What is that tool in his yeah. hand that's what shaped a, like a gun and what, spins what quickly? I, don't do that. One of the things I um, uh, you realize that when you have a house, which is really weird, is that everything is not really quite linear and even things are uneven in the house because <laughs> yeah. the earth the yeah. earth moves it's yeah. such a weird thing walls i mean it, even slightly but you'll notice i look carefully at the bookshelf against the wall and it's not really aligned you know what i mean it's yeah. it's well this is one strange. of the things i discovered when i was creating my favela is that I was putting the I was putting the the, the square mm-hmm. you know the oh yeah your ninety degree in angle your house are not square the, the, the ninety no. degree angle no. wood into the wall and it was it's like not. kind of bumping up against yeah. it weird yeah. and there was like a tiny little gap and I was like yeah. wait a second where the ceiling this meets wall, the wall this wall is at a ninety one degree angle yeah, not at level. least mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so anyway so that was that was fun and I did actually see some great potential future favela. Shells. Oh, good. At, like the ones that you 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 anchor the thing into the wall and then you put it. Oh man, those. And it's just like a long piece of wood, which is my preferred style of shelving. Just sure. wood on the wall. Yeah. Just wood, kind of floating out there in space. Well, and preferably not real wood, but MDF wood. Yeah, I mean yeah. something that's been press boarded yes. into wood like status. Yes. Is this the uh, IKEA at Potomac? Yes. Mills. Yes. Why didn't you come by? Uh, I live six minutes from that IKEA. Well, if uh, if somebody had invited me over to their house, if I had like a standing invitation, you know, like my place is way better than Farland or not Farland. What do, what do they call it at uh, IKEA? Small land, small landia, <laughs> small landia. Because no. you can only drop your kid there for thirty minutes, and which is, by the way, useless. Well, I but also Katie's too small to go in there. She, you have to be above like three feet tall. Or oh, something. she's not oh, tall no, enough no, to get in. No. You uh, could have dropped her at my place. Now it was it was actually fine. She. Again, we knew exactly what we wanted, so we were in and out. We Trying were to save and, marriages here. We son. were in and out of the IKEA in like thirty minutes. It was the greatest wow, IKEA trip of all time. It, we, we were there. We were in and out so quickly. We didn't even want to get meatballs. I was going to even want to get Swedish do they meatballs. Still have the, do they oh, still yeah. have the food out oh, there? Oh yeah, they've got. Oh, oh they've got yeah. a whole cafeteria. It's really oh, pretty yeah. fantastic. And ginger snaps. You can buy the ginger snaps there too. You can buy the everything. Tins, right? They got they Swedish them. fish. They got the. They got. They've got like Swedish. They've got like panic. They've got lingonberries. Oh yeah, pancakes with lingonberries. Yeah, lingonberries. Um, it was like being in the Big Lebowski. Uh, so anyway, that was it was fun, and we drove past the Prince William baseball. How did stadium. you drive past? Or that? we drove past the sign for it. We drove <laughs> past the sign. <laughs> the sign so I was, like, I was like, I was like, I was like, okay, that's where that's where JBL that's where, goes that's to where, his that's baseball where the magic games. Happens. That's, that's, that's where all the, the happiness that's right. is. That's right. Um, I cooked a pork schnitzel yesterday. That was my big, <laughs> the highlight of my uh, of of my weekend. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm just tired. You know, the same old thing. What's a pork schnitzel? Oh, I said, okay, get the pork. I told Kate, go. Is it German? (laughs) Yes, Austrian. Although technically, where did the Austrians learn from the Italians? Because it's a Milanese cutlet, right? It's the same thing. As if you go to an Italian restaurant, oh, I'll have the Milanese cutlet. That's a schnitzel. Kate is such a lucky woman. (laughs) So I said, uh, going. She was going to the store. I said, pick up some boneless uh, pork chops, and then. I'll take the I'll take that and then you you know layer it in between two pieces of saran and you just pound the hell out of it and so I'll just bang and bang and bang which I'm really good at that and uh, just flatten it but you know you could never make it thin enough and of course it wasn't that it, thin. the great thing is once it's thin it cooks fast and then you just dredge it in flour let's take a little uh, cooking segment here you dredge it in flour dunk it in the egg uh, batter and then uh, coat it with breadcrumbs. Throw it in with the oil in the pan. You got yourself a nice flat pork cutlet. This <laughs> is great radio. This is, <laughs> boys, this is I fantastic. Don't, I don't really under, uh, well, whatever. I love uh, schnitzel. 
Okay, uh, in, but but so yeah. it's basically just a pork chop. Yeah, it's like a without like the a, bone, obviously. Right, and right, right. Thin though. The key right. is they really have to make it thin, and you uh-huh. sprinkle a little bit of lemon on hmm. top of that, and that's what I. And that was the highlight of uh, at least. The I always night. thought schnitzel was like a like a salt sausage. and pepper too. Salt and pepper. No, schnitzel is a cut. Schnitzel is a cut, so it's like a cutlet, huh. a little schnitzel. Um, in Vienna, there's a place that everybody goes to uh, called Figelmolers, and that's like the Mama Leone's. Mm. Of Vienna, so everyone's oh, we gotta go there because that's where. What's it, Mama Leone's? That was an Italian restaurant in Broadway, and everyone from outside of New York would go there because that was quote Italian food, mm-hmm. like Sparrow's, like Sparrow's, Sonny. And, oh, uh, he, he means <laughs> it was sense. awesome. So, so it was amazing. It was oh, awesome. unbelievable, authentic. Well, wait, it was authentic. I don't understand why this is a joke. <laughs> I especially like the Mama Leone's at the Molly Pritcher rest stop. Too. That was oh, also yes. a great place. <laughs> very authentic. Very authentic. Very authentic. But in fact, there's another place called Plakudas, and they make the real schnitzel, and they've been fighting each other, you know, for years now about who has the better schnitzel. And I always wanted to do a piece on the schnitzel war of Vienna, would be really funny because they all badmouth each other over mm. there about pork schnitzel. The real schnitzel's veal. That's yeah. actually true. Uh, but I just need somebody to pay for me to go there. Yeah, boy, this so, sounds like a real riveting. Listeners you know. out there who want to fund me to uh, go out there and write about schnitzel, I'll do it. JVL. Uh, it was fine. We had a birthday for one of the kids, and uh, we're we're just getting ourselves ready for the big annual trip to the beach. Oh. Ooh. Which beach? I don't really like to say. You don't want to say? You don't want to tell Keep the people? Keep that private. Mm. Uh, it's, it, because it's not a secret. It's in North Carolina, but it is not any of the usual North Carolina beaches. Nagshead. No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's something to get excited about. Who gonna, else? Do you know who else is excited about the beach? Burglars. Mm. Knowing that you'll do all those things and leaving your house empty, summer is prime time for burglary, so now is the time to protect your home. For a limited time, you could take a whopping $100 off Simply Safe's special summer package. This is Simply Safe's biggest ever summer sale. It has everything you need to protect your home, an arsenal of security sensors to secure each door and window. Your Simply Safe system comes with a panic button, a blaring extra siren, and a wireless connection to authorities and police dispatch. Your family, your home, and everything in it stays safe around the clock. With Simply Safe, there are no long-term contracts, no installation costs, and no hidden fees. And 24/7 professional monitoring is just 14.99 a month. This summer, see what Simply Safe can do for your home. Get $100 off your summer security package at simplysafe.com/standard. Hurry. That's simplysafe.com/standard to get your $100 off. S I M P L I S A F E dot com, simplysafe.com slash standard for $100 off your purchase. So, over the weekend, big numbers, not really. Annabelle the Creation, or just Annabelle Colon Creation, not Colon Creation. Colon. Colon <laughs> Creation. Uh, took, this really is a horror movie. This is, I can't took, wait to hear Gene Shalit's review of Annabelle Colon Creation. It all works out in the end. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it was on the spot. It was oh, on the spot. Geez. On the spot humor. No. He did, Annabelle did, uh, Gene did not see Annabelle this weekend. Um, it took top honors with $35 million, but Dunkirk... Still going strong after a month with 11.4 million, followed by something I've never heard before: the Nut Job Two, Nutty by Nature. Mm, the nut is that job animated two. or animated. is that animated? Kids oh. film. It's really been a disaster for kids movies oh. this year. And the Dark Tower. This summer. Anyway. Uh, the Dark Tower, which has been out two weeks and did 7.9 million for a domestic. Wait, what is what million. is that percentage drop? It's about a 60 percent drop. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so wh- what is going on? I can't on? wait for the web series. <laughs> what is going on with this box office this summer? What what happened here? So Variety had a piece uh, uh, last week after the, the Dark Tower numbers came out. And it, it's worth just reading kind of the nut graph here so you can get a sense of how terrible everything is right now uh, in Hollywood land. From Variety, uh, ticket sales are down 10.8% so far this summer and are off nearly 3% year-to-date. Theatrical revenues are expected to fall through the next two months. Over the weekend, the top-grossing new release, The Dark Tower, opened to less than $20 million. Again, this was last week. Uh, during the same weekend a year ago, Suicide Squad kicked off to $134 million. So I, the, the simple fact of the matter is that a, uh, with the exception of the DC and the Marvel movies, Every franchise picture has flopped to some extent or another. Um, you know, the the efforts to start new franchises, Chav King Arthur and uh, The Dark Tower, were more or less disasters. Chav King Arthur much more because its budget was like three times higher than The Dark Tower, which was relatively modestly budgeted in the, the $60 million range. Um, and uh, all of the the you know endless sequels kind of flopped as well. The Transformers movie flopped. The... Uh, Fast and Furious movie did okay, and it did very well overseas. It, it still grossed like one point two or one point three or one point four billion dollars, something like that uh, overall. But it, domestically, it only did two hundred twenty-five, something like that. It was way down from from the previous um, iteration. Uh, and uh, what was the what's the other? One? Oh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, another oh. giant flop. Uh, another just big, real, real disaster domestically. Yeah. Now, some of these movies one seventy one domestically already. Kong Skull Islands one sixty eight. Yeah, those are those are bad numbers. Those are not good numbers. Well, but for movies where the U.S. box office is supposed to be thirty percent of the total, it's not terrible. Uh, okay. Anyway, numbers are way down. Uh, this is just science. War for the of Planet what, of the Apes did okay. War for, War for the Planet of the Apes did worse than its previous iteration. Yeah, well, and it's the third is, in the series. And uh, it is is going... It'll. I mean, again, all of these movies will probably make money, except for King Arthur, and maybe not The Dark Tower, we'll see. But, um, yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad because I, I think they're... they're I mean, look, the real the real issue here is the that these movies. The mummy and the alien. Don't forget those two. Oh yeah, the mummy. Oh yeah, I forgot about the mummy. Yeah, the mummy I, and the alien. Oof. Really bad. Uh, so anyway, all these movies have been great wall bad. Ooh, throwing in the great wall. Well, was the great wall? Oh, sorry, that, that wasn't. I mean, summer. that was the that spring. Was spring. Yeah. Okay. That was wild. Ghost and Shell is the other. Ghost in the Shell, another universe, another another forty movie. million total. Where 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 is everybody? That's what I want to know. People are watching TV shows. A lot of people watching Netflix. A lot of people watching Amazon Prime shows. A lot of people watching, you know, Series. HBO. Yeah. The, uh, this is what everyone talks about now. Uh, this is what the social media buzz is about. And as JVL knows, Twitter mentions are the only thing that matter, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, the real problem is the screens in the movie theaters are too big. <laughs> if we could just get movie theaters to hand people smartphones mm-hmm. when they walk in, yes, oh. so they could all sit and watch the movie on their phone, because yep. that's what the millennials want. That's what the millennials want. That's what want. the millennial audiences really are interested in. Uh, it has nothing to do with making bad movies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, now, this is, I was going to be a, a smartass and say, "Well, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a secret solution to all this: make better movies." But then you look at like the Pirates of the Caribbean and Cars Three and Guardians of the Galaxy Two, and I don't know, like maybe that's actually not the solution. Making better movies, it is not clear that good movies are rewarded and bad movies are punished at the box office, especially during the summer. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, there, there's a correlation, but it's not like a one-to-one correlation here. I do, I do think that the movies, the better movies have done better relative to their expectations, right? So, like, Dunkirk is a relatively cheap movie at $100 million. It's made $150 million domestically. It'll, it'll close out near 200 maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it keeps holding. Uh, Baby Driver, which was very well-reviewed, did it crossed $100 million this weekend, I believe. Uh, and... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I I do think that there is some correlation. And again, and again, the, Logan the movies did really well. So the movies, the movies Logan's that a good movie. the franchise movies that have done well are the DC and the Marvel movies. And it is, I I disagree with this. I know JBL disagrees with this. It is generally accepted that Wonder Woman was a a like the best of the DC movies, um, and it has made the most of any of those movies domestically the marvel movies again everybody loves spider-man homecoming everyone guardians of the galaxy 2 was 80 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes these are movies that did well they're movies that you know appealed to a wide audience and also like were entertaining and relatively well done so i mean i i do think there is some correlation between quality and box office revenue um but uh you know as long as china and the rest of the world is kind of uh, subsidizing movies like the Transformer films yeah. and the the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies that you know. What if we just didn't allow those people to see our movies? Would that change the economics of Hollywood in a way that was helpful, Sonny? Well, I don't know. What's interesting is that the Chinese are actually kind of really holding back movies. Uh, uh, they're holding back American movies during the prime summer movie going season. Um, and the biggest story in the world right now is that uh, the, the the there is a movie that was released in China that has made something like six hundred and sixty yes. million dollars already. Wolf, Wolf Warrior, Wolf, Wolf Warrior, Warrior Two, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I believe it was called. Um, is but, Jet Li in that? No, I don't think so. I didn't. I didn't know. But like, so this is a movie that was based on a. It, it's a sequel to another film that did okay business in China, like made thirty or forty million dollars, or made a hundred million dollars, or something like that. But like decent to mediocre numbers and has made all of the money so far this i mean it like i was i was i was reading a story about the stats and it you know it did about i can't i I, i'm just making up the numbers so don't freaking tweet at me with corrections but it did you know like it did like 150 million dollars in its opening weekend and then it did like 40 million dollars on monday and then 40 million dollars on tuesday and just like made another 150 million the chinese titanic it was i mean it really it it is (laughs) do we know what it's about uh, it's about a band of Chinese uh, soldiers that go to an African village to save them from evil imperialists. I believe it's something like that. It was very funny. I was it w- I was reading some you know again some left wing film critic uh, who was complaining about how this movie reminded him of Rambo Two, and you know how it's like about it and how how it's a white savior movie. But you know they're Chinese, so it can't really be a white savior movie. He was really struggling with trying to jam this movie into his uh, kind of you know preconceptions about movie about ideological tenets that are good. And bad in movies, and I was like, "Wait, this sounds awesome! It's the Chinese Rambo two. I wish it was playing near me, but it's not. It's like it's not by it's, Rambo two. Do you mean Rambo First Blood Part two, or the, the, not the Ra- Ra- Rambo in Vietnam? Yeah, Rambo yeah. in Vietnam, yeah. not Rambo three where he goes to Afghanistan, Afghanistan, but Rambo right. two where he right. goes to Vietnam. Right. I assume. Yeah, and if, I think four was Burma, Myanmar. Me, well, so always like, be yeah, Myanmar mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> yes, uh, JV. I, I would say so. If I were if I were running a journal about american greatness and oh. i was trying to take the ideas of nationalism seriously mm-hmm. and not just to mean a defense of our president whatever it is he happens to say today uh, i would be interested in looking at the question of whether or not 
globalism has been bad for everybody's cinema. And so hmm. if, if when Hollywood sort of took over the globe, did American movies get better or worse? Did French movies get better or worse? Was the French cinema better when it was made by people who were French and were mm-hmm. over there, et cetera? Yeah, because I would not be surprised if the answer was that everybody is better off. Like this is like the reverse economic of economics. Everybody's better off. The quality is better off when people are producing their own art. Mm-hmm. But you know, like why do that when you can just defend like a stupid tweet? Uh, uh, <laughs> wow, it's fair. Okay, it's fair. Hey, I, Julius. But, but I do think it's. How are you, dude? <laughs> I do think it's. I do think it is an interesting idea that art flourishes when it is created by an actual culture and not this kind of. Yeah, mono, no, this is exactly what I mean. Right. right. This is That's this right. is one of those occasions right. where, I mean. The, the, the actual argument for nationalism, like the, not the racist argument, but the, the the real argument for it is that what you gain in economics through globalism, you lose in culture. And that when you really try to balance the scales, the truth is culture is more important than minuscule economic efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And this is like a real debate. This is a debate that if people cared about like actual yep. ideas, they would have. But how would you measure? You know. So how would you how would you measure like greatness of movies? Right? Would you would you just look at critical reception? Would you look at box office, or would it just would you would you just have to write it as a pure critic? Pure critic, and yeah. just, just just go through and be like, look. The French New Wave is better than the kind of, but I mean, like, so how would you how would you distinguish, say, like the French New Wave from the Luc Besson movie factory? Well, I mean, first you do have to see how many movies are coming out, right? And so, does the output of the cinema of country X does it go down drastically over the course of time or not? And then you have to just make a subjective judgment of, mm-hmm. you know, are these movies better or not, which is impossible to do in inv- individual cases, but is really not impossible to do in the aggregate. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can look at like 1942 movies or 1953 movies and say this is better than whatever came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a thing which you can do. And well, none of those movies are better than Batman. Tough but fair. Give me you give me Casablanca or you give me Michael Keaton Batman. Uh, I don't. I don't see how I'm supposed to take Casablanca. Uh, it's, Casablanca you know. versus Val Kilmer Batman. Well, obviously that's Casablanca. Let's not get. <laughs> let's not be ridiculous. Uh, Dark Tower. We were going to talk about. Yeah, that. Dark Tower. JVL, did you see Doc Dark Tower? Nine. Okay, I did not see it, and, and Gene did not see it either. It was <laughs> all right. He, so it, this it is didn't a, even interest Gene. That's so how bad whenever. It was. So when we get the new iTunes analytics that shows when people turn off the shows <laughs> or when they it. fast forward, this is the moment, right? Because because it's just going to be me talking about the Dark Tower. Twenty two forty. Okay, uh, Sonny, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. I'll oh be my back god! In five minutes, somebody just tweeted at us. <laughs> Yes. From their weekend, Uh-oh. it is a picture of a computer screen on which he has Civ, and he's playing as Bismarck, and oh, there's an yeah. empty bottle of Shuffer Huffer in front oh, of it. Oh my god! My goodness! We move product. <laughs> Unbelievable! We move product. That is awesome. We should send that to the Civ people, so maybe they'll send uh, yeah, Vic yeah, a new yeah, the free copy. Six. You know, yes, well, Sanctum Officium. Oh yes, Sanctum. Well, Sanctum, Sanctum officium, officium. If you're listening, feel our folk. Mit ihr Krieg? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what is We're you know, speaking in code now. God. Sorry. Uh, okay, sorry. Dark Tower. <laughs> Dark, Dark Tower. Tower. So the Dark Tower is uh, not a good movie, and it's bad in ways that I was actually kind of surprised by. So the Dark Tower, very, very briefly, is a seven and a half. It's really an eight-book series. One of the books was kind of jammed in later. Uh, but it's a, it's a seven and a half-book series about the adventures of... 
uh, Roland Deschain, the last gunslinger who is trying to keep the Dark Tower from falling, and he is chasing the man in black, who is basically the devil. Um, and it, he kind of hops in between his world, which is called Midworld, and our world, shorthand, we call it Keystone Earth. Okay, all right. This is this is what you need to know. It goes on for it goes on for literally thousands of pages. It's extremely long. This is uh, a the the Dark Tower. The movie is a basically a YA movie. It's basically a young adult literature movie. It is a uh, it is a movie about a, a little boy in New York who is going who is being driven insane by visions and uh, learns that his visions are real. This little boy is Jake Chambers. He's a character in the in the in the series. Much loved. Everyone everyone likes Jake, um, but he he is a supporting character in these books and in this movie. He is the main character, which reduces then Roland the gunslinger to supporting character status. The movie is all about Roland trying to help this kid overcome his demons and and also kind of save the Dark Tower. Uh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey plays uh, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey plays uh, the the Man in Black, and I will say that all I actually really liked all of the performances in this movie. Matthew McConaughey is like doofily, you know, devilish and kind of like is clearly having a little bit of fun with the role, uh, and is is you know nice and wicked. Idris Elba is fine as the gunslinger. I think you know it. it it's a weird casting choice because they had kind of pitched this movie as a continuation of the series. For reasons I'm not going to get into, but like they they had pitched it as like this is a sequel to the books. It's not an adaptation. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not you know. Uh, we're not jamming it all into to one thing. It's just right. it's a sequel. And if you are going to do that, it is. If you're going to call it a sequel, it's a little bit odd to cast Idris Elba to play the role of a man who is literally like made was written to look like Clint Eastwood. Just I'm throwing that out there. It's a little bit awkward. Um, but he's good. He's very kind of dry and 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 you know steely and you know he's got that kind of masculine silence about him that's very appealing. Uh, and the kid is good too. The kid who plays Jake, whose name I, I can't remember. It doesn't matter because nobody's going to see this movie. Nobody has seen it. And the 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 original plan was to have this be the start of a franchise. They were going to have movies and then TV series in between the movies. And you know, in theory, the TV series is still happening. One of the one of the Walking Dead writers is show running it uh we'll see if that happens because this this whole thing was just an artistic and uh commercial disaster and it was you know and it's it's bad not because it's a bad adaptation i just want to be clear on this to everyone it, it's not i'm not just a sad fanboy who did not get the dark tower movie that he wanted i am that but I, in addition to that it is just it's murkily shot it's very the CGI is all very cheap looking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a single interesting action scene in it, which yeah. is like when you have you have a movie that is supposedly about the best gunfighter in the in the whole of all of the universes mm-hmm. and all the best you can do is just like shoot, cut, reaction, shoot, cut, react. It, it just is boring. It's boring to look at and it's boring to watch and I hate it. I hate this movie. I hate that they made it. Sonny, was you think part of the problem is audiences uh just aren't, you know, draw to the movie because they haven't read the book. I mean, some, one of you guys well, this mentioned is... this before about uh, Stephen King talking to his readers and asking for a show of hands of who yeah. has read these books, that book, and what he keep the Dark Tower. Yep. It's like, I don't know the book, so I'm not even going to bother. It didn't seem... Well, I do, I do think that... Well, I, I think that they clearly had no idea how to sell this to people. They, the, yeah. the marketing campaign has been very, very confused. Like I said, originally, you know, uh, they were kind of pitching it to to fans of the series as... 
a sequel to the books. And like they, they had a whole marketing campaign that revolved around the Horn of Eld, which is like this it, in, in, the, in the books, he kind of, it doesn't matter. It, none of this matters. <laughs> the point is, the point is like the Horn of Eld is not in the movie at all. It's like they had this whole marketing campaign around it to generate excitement for the fans, and there's just no mention of it in mm-hmm. in the book. You mm-hmm. I, maybe you see it, maybe he's got it like on his person, but I like frankly don't even remember. So like this is the sort of thing that they didn't they did they weren't sure what they were doing. They didn't know if they were making an adaptation. They didn't know if they were making a sequel. They didn't know how to appeal to fans of the book. They didn't know how to appeal to. Uh, to to new 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 newcomers because like if you were going to appeal to newcomers just make it the YA make it make mm-hmm. it the YA movie make it mm-hmm. the like this is a kids yeah. adventure More through this weird that. this weird universe and all the right. advertising was all centered around the gunslingers all centered around uh, Idris Elba who like I don't know if you know this he doesn't open movies I mean he just like that's he's not a big movie star so you have this idea of a big Idris Elba heavy gunslinger action movie and what you get instead is this like movie about a kid who's sad and it just is it's 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 fascinating and baffling on any number of levels. JVL, do you have any dark tower thoughts right now? Dark tower. No, I so you know, HBO is gonna be casting about for something to replace the hole in its life left by Game of Thrones. Um I wondered if Dark Tower would have been a better fit for that as a property. Absolutely. It absolutely it, it would have I mean, the real sad thing about this is that if you wanted to adapt the series the series itself gives you the roadmap of how to do it. The first book is short. It's less than 200 pages. And uh, uh, it tells a, like a relatively compact story that also has flashbacks to Roland as a youth. So it kind of sets up this idea of uh, a guy on a quest who has a tragic backstory and has mm-hmm. like these great action scenes. And you could have done that as a two-hour movie before then doing a 10-hour television show of the second book, which takes place more in well 1980s New York mm-hmm. modern New York and, like hops in between 1980s well, that's New what they York. wanted to do right they wanted and, this to be a multi-platform right this is going to be the mythical right. beast which right, right. moves people from moves yes. the audience from a exactly. cinema screen to a television yep. screen to a computer screen and which it, by the way has never worked in history it hasn't worked this in history a corporate but it, golden grail it could have it could have worked here golden it could, grail like, uh, holy grail. holy grail yeah golden the golden Chalice. Fleece, the golden, golden fleece, fleece. golden the, gun, the golden. But, <laughs> but I think the golden you goose. Sorry, Hollywood has killed the golden goose with it. No, but the, so the 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 you could have done that with this series mm-hmm. in theory, and you could have done it just by mm-hmm. following the effing books. Just follow the books, mm-hmm. and instead, what they did was they they made a ninety minute movie that takes two thousand three thousand pages of material and condenses it. I would propose. That this is an impossible task, and the reason it is impossible is because any D-bag corporate suit who wants to do it is, by definition, incapable of doing it. Uh, do you mean in terms of... Uh, you mean moving from movie moving to the, moving, moving properties from mm-hmm. one place to another in a continuous thing so that you are sort of in a circle jerk of audience moving from mm-hmm. your, you know, from your different services and mediums. Mm-hmm. If that is what you are interested in doing, then you are so divorced from the artistic enterprise that you cannot help but fail at it. Mm-hmm. It's not a smart choice. Ugh. You know what is a smart choice, JVL? Dollar Shave Club. You'll get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gives you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you didn't need. 
When I use my Dollar Shave Club Executive Razor with a Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, the, glade, the blade glides ever so gently and gives me such a smooth shave. Plus, their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter is transparent for a more precise shave, helps prevent ingrown hairs, and fights razor bumps. Now, listeners to the Substandard Podcast can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month, you get an awesome, weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel any time you like, but why would you? You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. Uh, so this might not be obviously Stephen King's best adaptation, mm-hmm. but he's uh, still on a roll. They got it is coming up. I swear to God, every property in development that I'm seeing ads for all the time is a Stephen. There's a Mist yeah. TV show. There's the Mister Mercedes show. On, this is this is a I real saw thing. That. This is a real thing that exists, and I see ad for ads for it on Deadline, and I don't even know how to watch it. I don't know how, but it's a it's a the Mister Mercedes book is being adapted into a TV show on the AT and T network. I don't know what that is. What, I don't what, know. Yeah. What's the AT and I don't know what, what that is. What number is that on my? Uh, there's gonna be a Snapchat show. <laughs> so, I'm sure too. So right. I, you know, a, and then of course there's it, and you've got all you've got all there's uh, just all sorts of yeah all sorts of stuff, and I am. Uh, I'm Come fine on, with this. Please do a takedown of Stephen King. I'm fine with no. Please do it. Why, why would I do a takedown of Stephen? I would say this is probably not something I should admit, but I would say I have read more pages of Stephen King work than any other living. Don't admit that. Author living. As long as you say living, that's okay. Probably all authors, frankly. <laughs> Don't say it's that. Just I. I mean, I've I probably read like five thousand pages of Stephen King material. So I am happy that all of his books are being adapted. He into must stuff. have a great agent. I imagine that even when the movies bomb, he's done pretty well for himself. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, I, I who knows how much you know? He's what, Stephen King. What revenue he gets off this? I mean, he he, <laughs> he owns he, the he, state of Maine. Yeah, I mean, right. he must be the second richest author in the world after J.K. Rowling. I would assume something like that. Anyway, pretty good. it doesn't no matter. Theme parks. Yeah. Uh, so the the uh, but everything everything is is a Stephen King property now. And I would say, you know what, I'm okay with this because everything that Stephen King does is good. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it the Stephen King universe? Well, so the interesting thing about the, the Dark SKU. Tower is that the Dark Tower... <laughs> nice, Victorino. The Dark Tower is like a, is like supposedly the nexus of kind of all of Stephen King's works. Characters from his other books show up in this. So like, in theory, the Dark Tower series would have been a great way to tie in The Stand and It... And all of these other things into like one kind of coherent whole because it's the multiverse, right? Because it's a multiverse. Because it's kind of like the early DCU, exactly. Yes. Well, we need a crisis on infinite Stephen King books <laughs> to to really sort out the. <laughs> oh, wow. I would the, be into that. Like, oh my god, here comes Pariah. Pariah is a total Stephen King character, right? I mean, you can see the character of yeah, Pariah sure. having been sure. created by Stephen King. Sure. It's perfect. Maybe uh, even Harbinger too. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, I am I'm fine with. I I was looking through a list of Stephen King works adapted into film. Did and, you rank them? And I I have a Please ranking. Rank but here's the thing: is I actually had a harder time coming up with a worst 
of ranking than a best of ranking. I thought about a worst of ranking. Because a, a worst of ranking, like everyone jokes I've about how it. terrible all of these Stephen King adaptations are. Yes. And you go through them and a lot of them, you know, frankly, most of them are not terrible. Maximum Overdrive. Well, ma- uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to Maximum Overdrive. Can I, can I say why I actually- JVL. Do think most of them are terrible? Okay, go ahead. It is because of this. Uh, I would argue that the single most important aspect of a successful novelist is the writer's voice, and that this is as true for Jane Austen as it is for Lee Child. And Stephen King is often, I think, misdiagnosed for his greatness as being, oh, it's his imagination. You know, this guy has this amazing imagination. He does. He's very imaginative. Uh, but his writerly voice is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yet this is the thing which translates least well out of a page and onto a screen. Mm -hmm. And when you lose that, you're losing like 80% of what makes Stephen King stuff Stephen King stuff. Mm -hmm. There. This is my theory as to why. Okay. And King adaptations just generally don't work. It has nothing to do with plotting. It has nothing to do with scope or anything like that. But you're missing the essence of him in the way that trying to adapt evil and wah novels, you you just can't do that really. Mm. So- uh, I think that's a very good point, and I do think that there is a kind of in in it, it, it. There's also some like kind of structural stuff that he does within the books, like the like the thoughts being in parentheses that that just doesn't. You can't do that in in. in. He's a very cerebral writer. If you if yeah, you no, he's that. a writer's writer. I mean, people think that yeah. Stephen King is just a throwaway, you know, yeah. a hack. This is totally yeah. not true. But any aspiring writers should read his book on, on writing, writing yeah. which yeah. is tremendous. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love Stephen King. Enough for the adverbs. So wait, Cut back on adverbs. So wait, if you love Stephen King so much, why were you giving me so much uh, grief about having <laughs> having read so much Stephen King? Uh, because just because it's embarrassing. It's a just character it's... failing. Okay. That be okay. the the, the writer you spent the most time with. I would. Uh, yeah, it's yeah him and Neil Stevenson probably, which is weird because I don't actually even really love Neil Stevenson. Tolstoy. I just I just read no. his books. No Tolstoy. Uh, no, I wouldn't. No. Is that no. Necronomicon or yeah. if other David kind? Foster Wallace? Of course. Oh, yeah. That would be the other. Okay. Anyway, uh, so the, the the I have a best of list here, but here are some movies that aren't on it. Carrie. Carrie's a great movie. The Dead Zone. Dead Zone's a great movie. Uh, oh, he's that not on the bad list is what you're this saying. is. No, this is not on my best of list. Oh. These, these are movies that didn't wow. even make my best of wow. list. Okay. Uh, Firestarter, not a great movie, but a fun movie. Uh, you 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 look at these flicks and you kind of see like a lot of stuff that you would like to 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 put on a list, but you don't because it's not the best of the best. Here's his five his five best. Number five, Shawshank Redemption. Number four, The Mist. And I like these two movies as like kind of a pairing because The Shawshank Redemption is a movie that is about you never giving up hope, never give up hope. That's you'll, not you'll at all there. what it's about. Whereas, but that's okay. Whereas The Mist is a movie about. What happens when you give up hope? Oh my god! And you and you you do the it's unthinkable. The most des- depressing ending I've and ever then, seen. Yeah. Anyway, uh, number three, Stand by Me. Uh, number two, Misery. Misery, great, great horror. Love it. Uh, and number one, The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which is obviously kind of a monument. Here, here's a question for you: yeah. If you could go back in time and have Stanley Kubrick direct another Stephen King property, anyone, what would it be? You could take a minute. You don't have to. I don't mean to put me, you on the spot. Yeah, why don't I? I had Torino, would you tell I've me really your three that. favorite okay, Stephen sure. King books that you, you've read? I'll give up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> books. Yeah. So What's, tell me, tell me this. When, how old were you when you realized that Stephen King wrote books that came before the movies? My my sister had uh, a book of uh, short stories called Night Shift, 
And is that where so, Gerald's Game is? I don't know. It, no, Gerald's Game was a no. was a novel. No, yeah, it was. Just, I thought it was a short story. The short story yeah. because the paperback had a picture of a hand wrapped in a bandage, but there was an eye on the finger or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I knew that he wrote books. Uh, but of course, I had by that time already seen Salem's Lot, which was awful. Um, I'm going to say uh, in the list of movies I did not like Stephen King movies. What's the old uh, joke JVL uh, among writers? You know, what's when they ask if you've read a book? Is oh, I've read in read it. in it. I've read, I've read in, in it. it. Or the other line, read it. I haven't even reviewed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not true at all. Anyone who's read my reviews, uh, Pet Cemetery. I talked to Sonny about really? this. I don't like watching kids getting Sorry, killed. This is worst of? Worst of. Worst of. I don't like watching kids getting killed. And I watched that as a kid, and I was already disturbed. Now, you know, the kid gets hit by the truck. He comes back to life, and he's got to kill him again. It's just, uh, no. It's no. just terrible. What, and what number was that for that you? It was like four on the list four. of worst. Okay. okay. I, didn't like, I didn't like Firestarter. It was good. It was hmm. good at the time. It was good at the time. Did you have it, a picture of Drew Barrymore circa Firestarter <laughs> in your <laughs> office with no. Mr. T? <laughs> no. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, it was after a People's Choice Award. She was sitting on Mr. T's lap. I don't know where that photo is. And this is. has got to be like, what, 84 or something like something that? Something like that. It's the funniest, yeah, most was, 1980s photo I've ever seen. He was at I've his height seen. at the A-team, and I don't know what she had done. Uh, Salem's Lot is well, very- Well, she'd been in E.T. Yes, and, by then. And uh, Firestarter, she, I guess. Firestarter, yeah. yeah, I guess so. Uh, Salem's Lot, also very disturbing. I saw that movie around the time that I also saw Phantasm. So these are the worst of? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fant- you ever see Phantasm with a cube? Yeah, sure. No, it's just terrible. <laughs> okay. Terrible, terrible ending. Children of the Corn. More children. M- evil children. E- but this one's evil children, and it involved the deli slicer. And I love uh, cold cuts, so that always bothered me fair. that you could get skinned alive on the slicer. Okay, now, here's the movies that I liked. Okay. Um, Creep Show. Wait, that was Stephen King, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. What number? Oh, that Sorry. would be a mic. It's not goodness. a ranking if you yeah, don't rank the number. Eight. Would you, would you going backwards? This is number eight. You're going to do have eight. eight of these yeah, I'm things? doing eight. <laughs> well, I noticed we're only at 41, so I figured this is a good way to kill time. I love- Great episode, guys. I Great. love- Great episode. I love Creepshow. Are you ready for this? Adrian Barbeau, Hal Holbrook, and Leslie Nielsen. Mm. And Leslie Nielsen's, um, that short story, that short um, scene involved uh, the drowning of uh, the actor Robert Hayes and his wife. Remember, they put them- up to their heads in sand, and then the tide would come in and eventually drown them. And then uh, Leslie Nielsen answers the door at the end of the night, and they've come back as drowned, sort of back from the dead. And it was very scary. And it also has the thing with Hal Holbrook wanting to get rid of his wife, Adrian Barbeau. And there was a crate in the basement that had a creature from the Arctic, and it's extremely bloody. Hmm. There's a lot of blood in that. Okay, okay moving on. We're going to go into this much detail yeah, for I mean, the rest of the seven. I, I, I yeah, really don't think that. I hope I'll so. move up there. quickly. Okay, I'm really interested in it. Good. The Running Man. Love that. It's great. Um, that was as a Bachman book, yes. Yeah. Was it? Um, it has one of my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger lines after he kills Sub-Zero with a buzzsaw between his legs. He said, he had to split. <laughs> okay. I was reading, uh, just one very briefly. Please. I was I was reading uh, the, the Bachman Running Man, the, the original novella. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, and it's really good. It, like, it actually makes perfect sense as a movie that could be remade again. You could do it oh. as a TV show, whatever. Okay. Like, it, it's yeah. like a really one hundred percent. You could yeah. it, like yeah. it, you could just do it. You could just do it like as it is written in the book, and it would make it would make perfect sense. Right until you get to the end, the last the last mm. in the last few pages, which involves uh, an airplane crashing oh, right. into a skyscraper. Uh, in, a, in a terrorist act trying to take down the government. I, I was yeah. just like, wow, yeah. oh, can't do that. That was definitely before Cannot 2001. Cannot do that. 
But JVL also, uh, who else starred in The Running Man besides Yeah, Fitz Koto. Oh, I was going to say um, Richard Dawson. And Richard, Richard, Richard Dawson Richard is the Dawson. real hero. Richard Dawson, of- who I, yeah, he's the real hero. I imagine he was playing himself. Like, you know, he's really fun, loving, kisses so on family of, feud. Is, in real life, yeah. is was 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 Richard Dawson that guy, or was he his character from Hogan's Heroes? Oh, he was definitely the running man. The running oh, man. Okay. He was, he was <laughs> Killian. Yeah, Killian. Damon Killian. Yeah, Killian. Not, yeah. not, I forget his Hogan's Heroes he character. Was, he was a real, this is a real, a uh, quick aside here, uh, Richard Dawson was a real, shall we say, swordsman. Yeah, he loved the ladies. I'd always heard that. He loved the ladies, but how crazy, how crazy was Bob Crane on Hogan's Heroes that when Bob Crane showed Richard Dawson all his photos that he'd been taking of women, it freaked Richard Dawson out. <laughs> I've never heard that. I want to put it to you that way. He was that's like, well, fantastic. that's great. When even yeah. Richard Dawson yes. says, dude, you have a yeah. problem. Bob, uh, that's lovely, but I, uh, I need to go. So uh, that was that. Okay. Uh, Green Mile, that, that was good. Mm. The Dead Zone. Mm. Okay. for If you do show notes, there's that fantastic SNL. You would put Green Mile and I liked at like number four. I liked the Dead Zone a lot. I saw it at a time that I thought you know maybe because I saw it at that time. No, forget um, Dead Zone. Go back was, to Green Mile. Yeah, Green Mile is good, but it was, I think it was too long. I loved it. Too but long. you're but you have it in your number wonderful. four spot. Just wait for the rest. Just wait for the rest. Okay, uh, the Dead Zone. Look for the if we ever did show notes. If not, just make a link somewhere of the SNL spoof with Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna eat the ice cream too fast. It's going. You're gonna get a brain freeze. Okay, yeah. so that was really good. The Shining. Love The Shining. Above The Shining, Misery. I really like mm. Misery. Misery's great. Kathy yeah. Bates, James Caan. Yeah. We always talk about how James Caan never had great roles. This was a good role yeah. for him. Uh, and it had the late Richard Farnsworth. Yeah. He's a fantastic actor. May he rest in peace. Uh, Stand By Me. That's number one? Two. No. And uh, number one is Shawshank. Shawshank's fine. I, mean, I think it was great, but yeah. the only reason why it's fine is because we've seen it. Yeah, that's 600 true. We've seen it a million times. It, it has been played on AMC. It has been TNT has run that movie into the ground, which is too bad. It, has. it is a perfect movie. It is basically a perfect movie. It's pretty good. Bob, yeah. the warden actor. He it's talks the, about it's his that. fifth it's best a, adaptation. Okay. I remember when you saw uh, William Sadler and the Brooks Brothers yes, around the corner from the I office. Did. <laughs> oh, you know what? It also reminds me. You know who else I I I I I met once was Forrest Whitaker. Um, really? But that's for the micro. I missed that for the micro on Fast Times, which yeah. was many days ago. Yes, we um, recorded that several days. And ago. you know what? Oh, for our Monday micro episode. Yeah. You mean? Yes, the Monday micro yeah. episode. And gotcha. this is just a quick addendum before we move on. And I said to for I asked him a very important question. I said, "Wow." I said we went to see Brick City, the screening of him. And Cory Booker was there, and I said it was just really great to meet. He was so friendly, and I said you must have. Uh, lost, uh, put on a lot of weight for uh, uh, your role as last king of Scotland. Yes, yes, I did. That's great. I saw you in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yep. Gotta go. That was my Q&A with that's, Morris Whitaker. You know what? That's really this whole episode in in like a 30-second chunk. <laughs> it's really... It's really that's the quality okay. that we're, and we're in putting fact, out I'm there. In fact, I'm done on the show here right now. All right, good. JVL, Maybe we should get Michael Caine in here next. <laughs> Pass God, passing it on. That good. <laughs> JVL, passing it on to you. Do you have a list of best no. Stephen King I adaptations? Let's, let's you don't have this it. thing. Okay. okay. No. Uh, can, uh, can we just say? Can we just? I just want to give a shout out to the Langoliers TV show, which is one of the worst. TV miniseries I've ever seen. I don't even no, know what that is. It's it, it CBS. Oh, I, I don't. What, what I would CBS or ABC. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, ABC, maybe. But it but it has it has it's it's actually almost worth watching for the like 
early 1990s computer generated graphics of like the little monsters eating the earth as the airplane takes off it like involves people who are like go through a rift in time and they go to like they they see they see what happens to the past it gets eaten by monsters it's very it's a weirdly literal idea of where where the day goes uh, anyway you you got to see it just for the 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 little cgi monsters with like a real it's a real time capsule of 19 1990s technology a real uh, jvl it's more, it's more than enough. <laughs> we're Stephen Kinged out? Goodness. Okay. Uh, corrections. Tolstoy this... sucks. <laughs> and I like Stephen King. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm pro-King. Super pro-King. Mm-hmm. He's his, his, the back page column he used to write in Entertainment Weekly oh, yeah. for a couple of years. It was the best was thing that that magazine fantastic. ever did. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. If I ran a magazine, I would pay Stephen King to write a back page column about anything he wanted. Well, I probably couldn't do that for our magazines. Yeah, uh, Tolstoy. He's, no. he's a bit of a he's a bit of bit of a lefty. A, so am I. That's a good point. You are you are a <laughs> you know, you're basically sympathetical politically. I I wrote a term paper in high school on Tolstoy without having read Tolstoy. I bet you did. <laughs> I did. Uh, sh- I did some short stories. I and read yet, some of his. You short got stories. into Georgetown, and I, did. I didn't. <laughs> and you know, well, later, much later, majored I was, in English. Much later, I was in. Uh, I was at Stanford. I was. I was at Hoover, and I was at Stanford University with the late Arnold Beichman. And he says, "Oh, we're going to have uh, Arnold's voice very much like Cheech Shouts, By the way, he said we're going to have a dinner with uh, Joe Frank and his wife Frenchie. I didn't know who Joe Frank was, and then Matt Continetti told me he was the foremost." Uh, author, uh, expert on Dostoevsky and Russian literature, and we're having dinner at a Chinese restaurant, by the way, and we had a delicious crispy hold fish that we devoured. And I said, oh, I was writing about something about uh, for the Weekly Standard at the time on the uh, the Chechen um, ki- the takeover of the Chechnya. theater. Chechnya. and they took over Chechnya. the theater. And I said, comparing him with the Russian history of what you know, was going on there, and Joe Frank said, have you read Haji Murad by Tolstoy? I go, What? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who? And uh, can you pass? Can you pass the duck sauce? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mr. Frank. Whoever you are. Okay. Uh, corrections, additions. Uh, I have a correction for you, Victorino. Oh no! On Monday, when we were taping our micro episode, you <laughs> said that you could not find Fast Times on Ridgemont oh, High. Oh wow! The book for instantaneous. Three, <laughs> this is an three days later. Two days to re- research this. Three days later. <laughs> Who sent uh, this correction in? And it turns out that on Bookfinder, which is the alternative used bookstore to Amazon, mm, I don't know also, about that. Also owned by Amazon, <laughs> and they own. A books too, right? They own like all of them. also owned by Amazon. <laughs> what I love is that they've kept the uh, the user interface exactly the way it used to be. The old clunky, just an independent used bookstore portal here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. No Super Bezos mm-hmm. thing going on here. Checks being processed in Seattle. <laughs> you can you can get a copy for like eighty three bucks. What you were looking uh, at? It's still expensive. Yeah, but but I believe what you were looking at is a hardcover first edition, mm. which does seem to start at three hundred bucks. But I like Frankly, still eighty three dollars for a paperback a, is nuts. There's a great cover. I can't believe by the it's way, out the of cover illustrations. The photo is great on that book. I can't believe that it's still out of print. They haven't put it in ebooks. It's just seem the studio yeah. book publishing houses just throw money away. They I do. don't understand them. Yes, they do. I will say this very carefully because some of us, all of us, to some extent, our lives depend on book publishing. If any industry deserved to be put out of business, it's the book publishers. I tell you. 
Mm. I tell you. Mm. No comment. And it, it gives me a little bit of pleasure to watch Jeff Bezos. I mean, it'll be bad for us all personally, <laughs> right, right. but it gives me pleasure to watch him destroying their industry. Uh, so that is my correction for you okay. on that. There was an ex, there was just great stuff over the weekend. Our Twitter feed has become, for me at least, I don't know about you guys, like an enormous source of pleasure. Our between Kyle and Substandard Fan and Carl uh, and, and Smug, and smug. it's. <laughs> Our listeners are much funnier than we are. Yeah, we have we have like ten really loyal listeners, and we love them more than our own families. The, so the pictures they're tweeting about the show is the really best. great. Also, the pictures are great. Eating and drinking product mention on the show very impressive. When we yeah, see if you uh, are you gonna you get guys, more t-shirts, Sonny? Uh, to send out t-shirts to our buddies? No. Come on, we're probably going to keep doing this show for another four or five weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I already threw down a big chunk of change on one one box well, of t-shirts. I keep telling you that we are ready to reimburse yeah. you and for he, this. And he keeps telling us tell he's going to write it off. I'm writing it off on my taxes. Like He's like Kramer. Uh, just you write just it write off. it off, Jerry. You just write it. It's free. It's why, free. Why did Frank Costanza instead of... Yeah. Great J- show. That's J- a good, J- that's J- good uh, show. Sonny, Sonny, uh, I have, you know, I have a little oh, yes. something else. else? When, once we get to Spirit mm. of the Week, I would like to pile on Spirit of the Week. Well, guess what? We're at Spirit of the Week. All right. Oh, this week's Spirit of the Week is... Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you, don't you, you guys have your corrections? I don't have any I corrections. I didn't have any either. Why would I have a correction? Fine. This week's Spirit of the Week is Maker's Mark. It's a perennial favorite at the substandard. Uh, Kentucky straight bourbon. Uh, delicious and nutritious. Okay. Uh, but last week's, Sonny, tell us, what's going on there? Forrester was a big hit. Old Forrester. Old Forrester. Lots of people uh, buying it. Putting pictures online, you 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 show us that you uh, that we move product, and we'll we'll make you famous. That's great. When can you remind us where yeah. this old Forester comes from, Sonny? Why were we drinking it? Uh, we were drinking. Well, we were drinking it because I got a bottle as a gift from from my father. That was yes. that's okay. Quite continue, great. but because but, it is but featured because in. it is it. Well, so not that that bottle, but we were uh we were begging for a uh, uh, bourbon that is tied to the Statesman movie or tied to it's made tied to the movie Kingsman, uh, the Golden Circle, and it is you know supposedly made by the Statesman, which is like the U.S. version of the Kingsman. Uh, and the good folks over at Old Forester are going to send over a bottle of Statesman. We will drink it next week if we have oh, it. If we'll we, continue you know, if drinking we it until we'll we just run keep, out. We'll, we'll just keep drinking it. It'll be that'll like be, that'll be our week. official our official bottle will be Statesman. But, but Sonny, then for at I least think, two I think, weeks. I think you've really hit on something here about a formula that works, which means that maybe next week or whenever you should bring in a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle that you have, mm. and then they'll send us the no. bottle. No, I don't think well, that's. I think there's only one way to find out. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I could say that there is another piece of product placement from the new Kingsman movie. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Go ahead. Bramont. I don't even know what that is. Which is a British watchmaker has produced three (laughs) models of watch specifically for the movie, which Mm. different characters in Mm. the Kingsman line, depending on their jobs within the Kingsman universe, wear. And it is a world-time chronograph, and these things are fantastic. Mm, mm. And I would be happy, mm. I mean, as, as a person mm. who's already an, an ambassador for Prana, right, the athletic uh, wear company, I would be happy to become a brand ambassador for Vermont as well if they would like to send one of these, especially the rose gold chronograph, to me 
uh, and I would be happy to wear it and then send it back. I would just wear it for, for a couple of weeks, and I would just like to have some J- time JVL. with some wrist, some wrist time with it. You who are. I couldn't stand up once I was wearing it, mind you, but I would. The, the, my, you're, you're a shameless. I'm looking at it yeah, right now. You. <laughs> my favorite thing about this yeah. show is how it has devolved into a shameless yeah, whoring. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I was going to say. In the last, like, 10 well, minutes. JVL is so, a, what they do is for the world time. Oh, I'll show I the don't. Shakes. Who cares? So it's they a watch. Have, Sit 24 cities arranged around the bezel, and is, they represent they the, the 24. I'm holding. I'm holding my iPhone next to the watch yes, to show that the they do the function. same thing. If, they do the same exact thing. Except, except that if there's an EMP, that thing in your hand in your hand mm-hmm. dies. Guess what? We're all gonna this, friggin' die anyway if there's an EMP. This keeps going because it's you know powered mechanically. Who ca- it's mechanical. So, so it's so it's a garbage uh, ancient. Technology that nobody wants anymore. Who cares? Watches are dumb. Vermont. You know what? Watches are dumb. I would just like to say that. Yes. It's amazing. JVL, you are nothing but a shameless whore. Urologist. And that's all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victory and Amatis at Sunny Bunch. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Just type in substandard under podcasts and we're there. Leave a review, tell your friends, and don't forget, substandard show notes might be up on Friday. Make sure to ask at JV last if they're coming. Tweet him. Tweet him the things. Until next time. If there is a next time. This this is 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 the the worst Summer doldrums. This is is a summer doldrums episode. Well, there's nothing out there. Why don't we kill the show? Why don't we put this with the pilot? Yeah, just because we're gonna be gone for the next two weeks anyway. Because I'm, I'm just out after this show. <laughs> after this show, I am done. I'm done with this. Will Hate the sh- it. Will the show survive? I'm really, I'm pretty angry about this. This is not a good show. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Next week, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs>